Welcome to The Unorthodox Christian. I'm your host, Friar Tuck, and today we're talking about fear. With Halloween just around the corner, I thought it fitting to talk about being afraid. One of the things I dislike about the Bible is that it's always telling me to fear not and don't be afraid. I don't know about you, but sometimes fear is not a decision I make. It's simply a reaction to something. I don't know, it comes from the subconscious. Take spiders, for instance. I don't know why I'm afraid of spiders. I've never been seriously injured by one. In fact, I've never even seen a spider bite me. I just feel the itchy bite and assume it was a spider. There's just something about spiders that brings out a feeling of fear in me. I remember as a child, I was afraid to go over bridges if they had little gaps between the beams. I irrationally thought I would somehow fall through. And that's my point. There's a safety response in our brains that triggers to keep us safe. Some people ignore that feeling. Others let that feeling consume them. Some people act bravely in the face of fear. That is, after all, why we call it bravery. Courage doesn't exist without fear. So how do we navigate through life with fear popping its ugly head up like a skeleton in a Halloween haunted house? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. There are stories in the Bible that I do not relate to at all. If you know anything about the Enneagram personality tool, I'm a six, which is right dead center of the fear and anxiety response. When things go wrong, fear and anxiety are my go-to feelings. Now, if we are born with our personalities, and I happen to believe we are, then how do I not feel something that I naturally feel? It's all too confusing. Take the story in the Bible of Daniel and the lions. As punishment for praying to God, he was thrown into a pit full of lions. But because of his courage and faith, God saved David from being torn apart alive. I'm sorry, but I would fail that test. Some of Daniel's friends were also punished for not bowing down to a statue of the ruler. They were thrown into a furnace that was hot enough to incinerate bodies. Well, God saved them from being burned alive. I would be extra crispy. I think we need to separate out two kinds of fear. First, there's the kind of fear that comes as a response to something like spiders and pits full of lions. There's another fear that I think is more frequent than coming face to face with a hungry bear. That fear is anxiety. Anxiety comes from a fear of the future and what might happen, whether it be at your job, home life, or school test. Dealing with the first kind of fear is complicated. Sometimes we need to be courageous in the midst of fear. Running into a burning building to save a child is brave. Sometimes not listening to our fear is just plain out dumb. Running into a burning building because you are afraid of the dark is dumb. There are some people who take Bible verses and think they are safe from any harm. There was a pastor a few years back that died from a venomous snake bite because he believed the Bible verse Mark 16, 18 told him that any believer in Jesus would be safe from the bite. The verse says, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, and they will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. There has to be a common sense middle ground. 
When fear keeps us from living life, it is toxic and it's not the appropriate level of fear. But telling someone to stop being afraid is like telling someone don't be hungry after not eating for three days. What steps can we take to overcome our fears and bravely step out into the world? Well, like most things, we have to identify the fear. What exactly are you afraid of? This is not always an easy task. Some people require years of therapy to pinpoint exactly the reason for their fears. And that's okay. Until you figure out why you are afraid, you can't really fight against it. Once you identify the root of the fear, you begin to take baby steps towards facing that fear. If the fear is irrational or the response to the fear is irrational. What do I mean? There's no need to face the fear of snakes by holding a deadly viper. You can begin with tiny harmless ones to lessen the fear of snakes in general. Maybe you're afraid to leave your house. The first step isn't necessarily to go out into a crowded market. No, the first step is literally out the door. Once you see that this is safe, you can take another step into the yard. Facing your fears is a process, or else you risk compounding that fear. Thich Nhat Hanh writes, We have a great habitual fear inside ourselves. We're afraid of many things, of our own death, of losing our loved ones, or change, or being alone. The practice of mindfulness helps us touch non-fear. It's only here and now that we can experience total relief, total happiness. In the practice of Buddhism, we see that all mental formations, including compassion, love, fear, sorrow, and despair, are organic in nature. We don't need to be afraid of any of them because transformation is always possible. A familiar psalm says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Faith plays a big part of overcoming our fears. If you believe in a God who punishes the evil and rewards the good, you live in fear of your God and cannot trust this God is going to protect you. On the other hand, if you believe in a God of love, you can find comfort that he will love you no matter what happens. Maybe you'll be safe like Daniel. Maybe simply the comfort that there is a God will help you take little baby steps towards courage. First Timothy tells us, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God's Spirit gives us power, love, and control to face our fears. We must decide to face our fears, though. Listen to this short story. There once was this criminal who had committed a crime because, hey, that's what criminals do. That's their job. Anyway, he was sent to the king for his punishment. The king told him he had a choice of two punishments. He could be hung by a rope or take what's behind the big, dark, scary, mysterious iron door. The criminal quickly decided on the rope. As the noose was being slipped on him, he turned to the king and asked, By the way, out of curiosity, what's behind that door? The king laughed and said, you know, it's funny. I offer everyone the same choice, and nearly everyone picks the rope. So, said the criminal, tell me what's behind the door. I mean, obviously I won't tell anyone, he said, pointing to the noose around his neck. The king paused, then answered, Freedom. 
but it seems most people are so afraid of the unknown that they immediately take the rope. Facing our fear is often the thing we fear the most. And the biggest fear that plagues our society today is anxiety. We've spent the past couple episodes focusing on reframing our outlook on life and recognizing failure as an opportunity for growth. And finding the freedom that comes when you realize that everything is meaningless. When we begin to live out these concepts, we will begin to see our anxiety begin to fade. Here's the problem with anxiety. You're afraid of nothing. No, it's true. Anxiety is the fear of the future. Worrying about the unknown or the things that haven't happened yet. It's hard to face your fears when what you're afraid of isn't actually a thing. Sometimes, anxiety kicks us into gear and makes us productive. But if you constantly live in a state of stress and anxiety, your body begins to shut down. Jesus had this to say about worry. So my counsel is this. Don't worry about things, food, drink, and clothes, for you already have life in the body. And they are far more important than what you eat or wear. Look at the birds. They don't worry about what they eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food, for your Heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Will all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about their clothes? Look at the field lilies. They don't worry about their clothes. Yet King Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so much for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, well, won't he surely care for you? So don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathens? For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly Father already perfectly knows well enough that you need them, and he will give them to you if you give them place in your life. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow too. Just live one day at a time. Anxiety forces your thoughts to live in a future full of uncertainty, which only gives you more anxiety. It becomes a problem that spirals out of control. So how do we break the cycle? Well, you need to change what you think about. Paul, a writer in the Bible, says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about it, and the God of peace will be with you. The power of positive thinking actually works. You are transformed by renewing your mind. What you think about, how you feel, what you believe, all influence your actions. If you live in a state of anxiety, always expecting the worst, and you feel scared of failing, and you believe that somehow you're going to mess it all up, you probably will. It's like riding a bike. You start to go towards whatever you're looking at. Then, when something does go wrong, it reaffirms all your fears, and the cycle continues to spiral out of control. But what if you started looking for the good in things in every situation? You still feel anxious, but you know that means you're living life and being courageous, and you believe that you can do what you want to do. Would that change the outcome? 
I don't know, maybe. Sometimes that's all it takes. Other times, it still fails. But if we see failure as a good thing, an opportunity to grow and to become a better person, then it's not bad that it didn't succeed. If your faith believes that God can work everything out for the good, even the worst experiences of life can be flipped and used for good, then you begin to move through life with an eagerness to see whatever comes next. Rob Bell, a modern-day theologian, once said that those butterflies you get in your stomach when you're anxious, well, that lets you know that you're living and pushing your life to the extremes. It means you're risking something to make this life better. Butterflies in the stomach are what keep life interesting. Have you ever been on a roller coaster? Why do we like it? It's not just that they're scary. It's the feeling that you get after the ride. There's this rush that comes when we stare our fears in the face and say, let's do this. Now, have you ever been on a roller coaster and then went on a slow kids ride? The safe and slow kids ride is the worst. As long as you live in fear and never go on the roller coaster, then all you get out of life is safe and slow. And that's all right if you're content with safe and slow. But life has far more to offer if you step out in faith and risk a little. So, may you see that the problem is not the fear, but your response to fear. May you take that next step to push against the force of your fears. May you find the excitement that comes from facing your fears and coming through on the other side. And may you begin to change your thinking so that you find joy in life even when you are afraid. Because the reality of it is that even in failure, love wins. Music